Episode 17 of the Photon Podcast. We've got a winner for the KF7IJZ sweepstakes. We're going to continue the conversation about go boxes, emergency communications gear, and more. All coming up. AmateurRadio15.com presents Photime, the other ham radio podcast, sponsored by Main Trading Company. Find them online at mtcradio.com. Now, here's your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. So welcome into episode 17, the Photime podcast. I am Kale, Kilo for Charlie, Delta November. Uh, real quickly, what is the Photime Podcast? It is a podcast aimed at the new ham or someone who's interested in amateur radio and hasn't made their final decision yet. What does Photime mean? It is a uh, inside joke for a internet forum I participate on. I don't... Uh, well, let me just say it this way. When when Photime was initially thought of or... or it came to my mind to do a podcast regarding amateur radio. Never knew that it would be as accepted as widely as it has become. And that's why it has such a really bad name for a show that talks about amateur radio. So sorry. Uh, why is it the other ham radio uh, podcast? Well, it's because it's the other ham radio podcast. Cause there's a lot of them and this is just the other one. So that's, uh, that's where that comes from. Hey, and uh, thanks for listening, by the way. If this is your first time here, your 17th time here, we appreciate you being with us and listening. Of course, you can find us online at AmateurRadio15.com. That's AmateurRadio15.com. Uh, if that's too much to type, I've had a alternate URL address from day one, and I just have always forgotten to tell you. It's Photime.com. I-T-S-F-O-T-I-M-E. Dot com. It's photime.com if that'll save you some typing on your Android devices. Speaking of Android devices, we have a survey up right now, and I want to invite and encourage and plead with you to go to the website there at itsphotime.com and click on the survey link and fill out the survey, okay? I, uh, I, I have been encouraged to create a survey for my listeners, and I've had some pretty good feedback so far. So for all of you who have come through and participated in the survey so far thanks for those of you who will now participate that you're aware of it thank you in advance as well seriously guys it takes like four minutes to take the survey and you're done and um, it helps me produce a better program for you and speaking of a better program there's not a better program in amateur radio for purchasing new gear than that that they've got established down at Main Trading Company, this mtcradio.com out of Paris, Texas. You won't be disappointed when you check out their website, their prices, their in-stock merchandise, their pre-owned gear, their layaway, their extended warranty. They've got loads of ways to put amateur gear, quality amateur gear in your hand, free shipping. I mean, they've got it all. Ham packages for, for new folks who are wanting to upgrade your shack. I mean, guys, they are really doing a lot of great work uh, providing us, the amateurs, gear to use on the band. So make sure you check out the show sponsor. It's mtcradio.com. And one more thing before we get into the show here, real quickly, i got to give a big shout-out to Greg Savale. 
Greg, I hope I just pronounced your name correctly. Uh, Greg hails from Oregon. His call is November 7, Indigo Delta Bravo. And Greg was the winner. Congratulations, Greg, the winner of the free Pignology Piglet from our friend Jeremy, who we'll hear from in a few moments. KF7IJZ celebrating his 1,000-plus subscribers on his YouTube page, KF7IJZ. And uh, Jeremy talks about a lot of good things on his on his YouTube channel. He's really into solar. He, he has a very good understanding of that. So if you've got some questions, he's got the answers at youtube.com forward slash kf 7 IJZ. Now, this time we're going to do the show a little different. Now, we keep having these different kinds of shows, but this one's a little bit different. Something we've been wanting to try for quite a while, and we haven't been able to get together to make it happen. And it's a roundtable discussion. It'll be myself, K4CDN, Kale, George Zeropoulos from California, KJ6, Victor United. And as I mentioned, Jeremy, our friend from D.C., KF7IJZ. We're going to continue to the discussion about the uh, the MCOM boxes, MCOM bags, MCOM gear. Uh, that's emergency communications gear, if you're curious. And let's go ahead and get right to the discussion. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Thanks again for listening to the Photime Podcast. So yeah, it's uh, Go Box, episode number two on episode number 17. Kale with George and Jeremy. And uh, guys, the last time we talked about this subject, we were talking. George and I were talking about the Handy Talk Ego Box, the the foundational kind of thinking through the process of having a box to take with you for any sort of emergency or just tagging along with your walkie-talkie. Uh, but let's let's just step back into that just a moment. And uh, Jeremy or George, either one of you, you want to share your opinions on what a what a Go Box equals to you. Either one. I guess. I, <laughs> I guess. Bueller. George. George, you go ahead. Okay, sure. So, uh, in my mind, that the Go Box is is really a station uh, that is packed up in a some sort of transit case that you could easily carry from place to place and be able to set up and operate uh, easily. I mean, that's kind of a high level view of what I would think of it. Jeremy? Yep, and I, I, I would absolutely agree with that. It's um you know, the the key is that it's it's everything you need or just about everything you need to operate for a given scenario. Um and the one thing I'll add to that is probably most importantly is that it is it is tested and it is understood. It's not something that you build and don't turn on. It's something that you've you've played with and you're familiarized with and, and you pull it out every few weeks to make sure you still remember how to use that radio. Um because, uh, you know, you, you build one of those boxes and set it in the corner and then go to deploy it and you haven't looked at it in six months and you, you're like, well, I forgot how to do this with the radio. And, oh, man, I didn't bring the manual and whatnot. That, that's a very good point. Uh, and we've talked about my, my big box before. Uh, and one of the things that the reason I built it to begin with was to have a portable station so my kids couldn't tear it up while it was in the house, which it never has made it there. But. I've got a very simple to use two meter rig in there and a very simple to use HF rig, uh, along with the instructions, mind you. Uh, but that's one of the things that I really tried to do is, you know, with, with my lifestyle, with the children, I can't go sit at a, a Red Cross shelter for three or four days at a time, but I don't mind loaning my gear to a licensed operator. And if it's just stupid, simple stuff, I mean, surely they can figure that out and be able to utilize it, uh, while they're there. 
you know, trying to make it as easy as I can for someone else if they needed to use it. I'll throw in one other comment, by the way. I I think that that's a good idea, not just for someone else. I think it's a great idea for yourself. (laughs) Thanks, George. You know, <laughs> don't take it personally. For me, what I notice is that when you are when you are doing things in your own time scale, and you know you're just having fun on the weekend, you could take the time and mess around and and all that. But if you happen to be using your Go Kit at an event, like an earthquake or a tornado or something, as soon as you're in that um, kind of crazy chaotic environment. Um, you get kind of tunnel vision and, and you start to go stupid. And, you know, you really don't want to have to fiddle around and figure out the menu system uh, to figure out how to set the PL tone when, when what you really want to do is just turn it on and set the frequency and go and make it really simple. So I think simple is actually really an asset in that kind of a situation. You know, maybe even to the point where, okay, so it's not a brand new rig that's in the box or it's not the latest model. But it's one you picked up at the the flea market at the at the at Dayton or somewhere, and it's real simple to get into. It does have tones, and you can access the the you know it's got buttons and knobs instead of menus. To me, that that makes sense. When I look at a lot of these boxes the guys post online, they put these brand new models in them, and you know you've got thirteen different buttons to press before you get to to the adjust a squelch or something, you know. <laughs> and I just wonder, are they doing that for themselves, or are they doing it for someone else to see it that way? And with me, it, a lot of it is just budgetary concerns. But at the same time, like you said, if it's easier, well, it's the the Kiss program. You know, keep it simple, mm-hmm. stupid. I mean, for me, that's kind of the the thoughts that went into it because you know I'm kind of on that level. So, hey, Jeremy, I, I'd, I'd go back to something you said before in another podcast, which is you know have that end in mind, right? Exactly, and and actually to that point, it's um it's interesting because. The definition of keep it simple is really it, – it's pretty variable because it depends. Are, are you giving your equipment out to some other ham in, in your club that maybe the only experience they have is that they pass the test and they may own like a, a Baofeng or an Ushon or even like a, the venerable Yesu uh, FT60? Or are you in a club or a group that is highly practiced and they have a standardized equipment list? So for instance – um, my club is heavily invested in D-Star, and there are you know, two D-Star VHF, UHF radios, like say a, a 2820 or um, an ICOM 880, that everybody's kind of standardized on one of those two radios. And there's a small expectation that if, if you're uh, interacting with the group that you're familiar with those radios to begin with. And for us, standardization equals keeping it simple. Uh, good point. Very good point. And yeah, that I think, means you have the, the matching equipment for, and everybody knows that you're cool because you already match. Exactly, and where we have uh, where we have equipment either in our trailer or at the hospital, you know, all these things um, kind of match. You know, we we've standardized on the the venerable Kenwood uh, seventy one or the seven ten um, for a non D star just uh, FM you know dual band mobile. Uh, radio, but it's you know there there's a little bit of that standardization, and then there's a lot of practice that goes along with that um, to ensure people can use it. Now, on the other hand, um, all of our frequency lists are already pre-programmed. If, if our philosophy for you know for that club and that environment and the types of things that they do, which is everything from uh, community service like race support to um, you know, possibly showing up and, and doing Red Cross shelter coordination or, you know, hospital coordination, whatnot. But 
the, the idea is that if you show up and you're having to play with the VFO on the radio, then, then we weren't prepared for it. Um, you're not working on a, a standard communications plan. And granted, every group is different. You know, maybe they, maybe they don't have a need to be that sophisticated or don't have the resources to be that sophisticated. But again, from us, you should never be doing anything than changing the memory channels on the radio. George, you had something to toss in. No, I was just thinking that um, that these are these are really valuable points t- when you are preparing for an emergency communications um, situation, um, and I think those really become kind of key things to um, center your strategy around. And in thinking about the way we do a lot of our portable operations in our club, um, we we use our repeater system infrastructure as uh, a resource for other groups to use. So most of us who are kind of uh, really um, sort of in the core of our club aren't actually the the MCOM operators so much as the um, uh, infrastructure guy. We're the IT department, (laughs) if you will. Uh, However, um, in in a lot of the portable operating that, that we do, uh, a lot of that is things like field day or other uh, field contests, you know, QRP to the field kind of things, in which case the whole notion of the go kit, um, it, it, same idea but different criteria. So so in that case, there's really no notion of standardization because you're not trying to have a baseline of knowledge between the users. Uh, it's a completely different um, kind of goal in mind. So so I think you know you've got to give a little thought to what what's the point of building this, um, and like you're saying, Kale, well, I might want to give this to somebody else. And in my mind, if I'm going to plan to give it to somebody else, I'm probably not going to put my best radio in there, but I want to put a very uh, reliable radio in there that's easy to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's for the, the contest, I might want to take a, a fancier radio to the field if I got one. Uh, because it'd be fun to use because only my, I'm going to be there or someone else is going to use it and I'm standing right around there. Right. Very good. Very good. So, I, Kale, I think I'll, I'll add that when we're talking about defining the go box, right, because we, we just covered a bunch of different use cases. Yeah. It really is. It is a portable station of some kind that is self-contained to some end that is able to be deployed to the field and used away from the shack. Yeah. Whether it's zombies, earthquakes, hurricaneators, volcanoes, <laughs> Dan Pisario in Dry Tortugas, it's it works when you need it to work, and you know how to use it when you need it to work. And one more thought is it better be built to be robust enough so it does work when you get, you get it there. Because I've seen some, you know, sometimes people just throw stuff in a box and screw it together when they get there. Um, <laughs> And whew, that's uh, that's kind of a recipe for disaster. Um, you know, I, I kind of like building the stuff so it's it's as ruggedized as I could figure out how to make it because half the fun is just trying to figure that out yeah. and having the thing really work when you get there. Well, you never know when a Jedi is going to drop it off the top of a cliff <laughs> or something. All right, so speaking of putting it together, we're, we're talking about boxes. And guys listening, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a box. It could be a uh, what was it, George? A golf? Oh, the frisbee golf frisbee bag. Frisbee golf bag. It could be a yeah. tackle box. It could be a deployment type bag. Uh, I saw an example today that was built in like a big man purse. That was really, really neat, by the way. Um, but let's talk about that. Um, boxes, bags, sizes. Where do you guys fall out on that, Jeremy? What do you say? Wow. <laughs> 
this this is a hard question for me to answer because um, right now my quote unquote go box is a four rack unit uh, rotomodal gator case that has uh, two rack shelves in the front and then a ten inch deep stainless store steel drawer um, that is uh, two rack. Actually, I'm sorry, it's a six U box, not a four U box. Um, I have an ICOM IC7100 in there, an ICOM, um, I think it's an, I can't remember, it's an ID or an IC8800 or, or 880. Um, I have a Kenwood 710 for the TNC and the, the, the APRS stuff. I have a Samlex, you know, 1235 power supply in there. I have a power gate. I, I have it literally an entire ham shack in a box and, um, not to not to put too fine a point on this, but to kind of tell a funny story. So this this is my go box, right? And there's a, a public service event we do every year in the spring, um, supporting this run out in the woods. And we use six meter FM because we find that six meter works out in this varied terrain much better than two meter does. And I'm supposed to take my go box because that's the rig that I have. And I wind up ultimately every year just taking my Yesu FT817 because it fits in my man purse and it runs off double A's and it's plenty for the the course. And so at this point, my box is too big, too heavy, and too tightly coupled. And I'm starting to consider how can I get it smaller so that it's more portable? How can I break power apart from it so it's more flexible? Um, and what are some more rugged case options uh, overall? I was wondering if, if you had like a trailer because I didn't know if that would fit in your Patriot. Oh, my God, dude. It weighs like 65 pounds and – I have the kitchen sink in there. You pull the drawer out, and you can actually wash your hands with soap and water. Oh, my gosh. George, do y'all do it like that in California? I mean, this is this is East Coast <laughs> extremism here. Uh, you know, I, I, I started looking at doing that, and I, and I watched a bunch of YouTube videos uh, of guys who did something very much like that, and uh, they're beautiful. I mean, the you know, all that gear looks great. And then I, I, I'm looking at this thing thinking, I can't pick it up. I just, you know, if, if I had to take it to the field, I couldn't. So I did a, a sort of variation of that. Um, I I first built a station in a, a Pelican case. So I, I was kind of going back and forth on the top loader versus the front. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll do a sort of top-accessed case. So you flip open the lid and the radio's inside. And that was fine for a couple of years, but it, I didn't really – like the the usability of that, so I went to the to a rack mount, like the Gator case, but I used uh, they look like um, uh, they're called effects boxes. Uh, it, it's a 19 inch rack, like an like an anvil case, but they're shallow. They're they're uh, once you pop the end plates off, they're only nine inches deep. Uh, the ends add about another two inches, and they come in two U, three U, and and you know more. So I I limit it to three U. Um, so I, uh, the, to do that, the first thing I did was I jettisoned most of the creature comforts, like, like I, I ditched the drawer because that, oh boy, that's great, but that thing's heavy. No kitchen sink. I did, and I ditched power. I, I decided fundamentally power has to be outside because if you put batteries inside, it's too heavy and they're not enough. Um, plus a power supply just so power is external. The box runs off 12 volts and in in my um, – I sort of go back and forth between between having the 19-inch case and wanting something I could backpack portable. So I use a KX3, and the KX3 is kind of a small-ish uh, do-everything HF radio. 
Um, so that by itself, in its own separate set of accessories, is my hiking kit. When I when I want to use it on field day um, and and have more power and all that stuff, I can then cable that into the accessories that are in the three U um, effects box. And what I've got in there is the the hundred watt amp and antenna tuner um, plus a um, uh, Kenwood, t- I want to say TMV 71. It's not the 710. It's the one down from that. It's the yeah, dual band yeah. FM. Yeah. The 71. Um, and then um, I've got a little power meter that t- shows me the, the volts and the amps. And then I, I made a gadget uh, some years ago uh, that's basically an audio mixer, audio amp, because I, I plug a speaker into the KX3 and there's not enough uh, audio punch uh, coming out of the radio. It, it's fine for headphones, but it's really not adequate to drive a speaker. So you need an audio amp. And then I also realized that I've got the FM radio and the HF radio. And if I want to hear both at the same time on headphones, there's no way to do that because you can't just you know wire them up together. So anyway, I, I built this little gadget that, that takes speaker audio from the HF radio and speaker audio from the FM radio, uh, mixes them together, and then runs it into a 10-watt audio amp. And then I've got this cheap little MFJ speaker. And, and, and it's very punchy. Put, you know puts out a lot of audio, so it sounds great. Um, and that works really well. So then, then I have separately um, my power. And I was using SLAs uh, for power until I heard your podcast, Jeremy. And Kale, and I, and so I, I'm at the gym listening to the podcast like you do, and so so Jeremy's rattling off. Well, I got this lithium polymer battery, and blah blah blah, and I just like wrote down everything that that you you had in that list, and I, I looked them all up, and I said, "Yep, that's the thing for me." So I, I basically cloned what you built. <laughs> so thanks for that tip. There you go. That's what we're oh, here uh, for, right, Jeremy? Ab- absolutely. But I, in all fairness, hasn't it been life changing? Oh God, yeah. Because just like I can't carry that box full of radios, I can't carry the uh, Sears plutonium deep cycle battery. I mean, it's just too heavy. <laughs> there's there's a reason they're called diehards. No kidding, man. Oh God. So yeah, the, those lithium polymer they're great. Fantastic, and that's going back to episode number two. We've covered quite a bit of ground since then, but yeah, that was some good stuff, and and they're on Kale's bucket list. If the diehards don't get him first. Happy New Year from Maine Trading Company. Have you checked out the website lately? Do it today, mtcradio.com. Yes, we love ham radio, but we love electronics in general, and we've got lots of it on the website. Also, don't forget to check the used gear page. Lots of things coming and going every day. Main Trading Company, where we sell Kenwood, Icom, and Alinko ham radios. We love the hobby, and we love faux time. Visit our website today, mtcradio.com. You, you both have, have gone through a lot of considerations there and the sizing and whatnot. Guys, when we're talking about use, that means unit. So a unit is about, what, an inch and a half, two inches tall, it's, maybe, it's, something like it's that? An, I think it's an inch and three quarters. Okay, I'm looking at one right now. I don't have my tape in front of me. but uh, So three is like maybe five inch, five or less than six inches. Um We'll put some pictures up on on the uh, on the website in the show notes at amateurradio15.com to kind of give you an idea about what we're talking about there, and uh, 
so your head's not exploding and smoke coming out of your ears. But there's so, a lot of there's a lot of considerations. Go ahead, Jeremy. Well, what I was going to say about this, you know, let's. I it, it sounds like George and I both have a lot of experience dealing with you know rat cases, and what I'll say is that. When you first buy this thing and you get that empty rat case, and it's funny because I've been looking at these uh, effects cases that he's talking about. There's a company called SKB uh, Sierra Kilo Bravo that manufactures these. They're only they're, you know they're ten inches deep, and they come in like he said two to four U, two, three, and four. Um, and I've been considering buying one to install my my KX3 in. So I you know I have the amplifier, I have the pan adapter, I have the radio, and it's just the right width to put all those things side by side and. As I was looking at this, I couldn't figure out how to mount them all on their ends and whatnot. But so anyway, you get this case and it weighs nothing and you're really excited and you can get them with like luggage handles and wheels so they roll really well and that's fabulous. But what you don't realize is when you start buying the rack shelves, it, it's been in my, my um, experience finding rack shelves that are pre-drilled for maximum uh, utility are hard to find in aluminum, and you mostly find them in like sheet steel. Mm-hmm. Um, just like that drawer we talked about. That drawer is uh, awesome. It's you know ten inches deep. It's two U. It's lockable. It's on these really nice you know rolling arms, but it weighs twenty five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and all of this. You know, we've talked to a lot of backpackers on the show, right? And inches are pounds, or no, no, ounces are pounds. Yeah. Uh, I think they say, and with a go box, that is absolutely true. And that's part of the reason, though, where I realized separating the box, be it a rat case or whatever, from power really makes a lot of sense because power weighs a lot. But um, another uh, item that I, I've really liked working with are the uh, the MTM uh, Spud cases, and I forget what Spud stands for, but it's Sierra Papa Uniform Delta. Mm-hmm. Um, these cases require a little bit more work because there's no, nothing, there's nothing inside them to mount anything to, you know, from the beginning. So we know a lot of guys, uh, who will manufacture frames out of like, uh, aluminum angle stock, like small half inch aluminum angle stock that you can go pick up at your local hardware store. Um, we know some people who actually have like a design background and will, actually get into like SolidWorks and build beautiful custom panels that are laser engraved and, and have all these cutouts for things. Um, Kale, don't you have a box similar I to do. that out of a spud case? Well, yes, it's not gorgeous and it's not very engineered, but it actually has a removable shelf unit where everything comes out of the box. So you can operate inside the box or you can take it out and set it on top of the bench. And it actually was my shack for the first two or so years. I just, put the box under the the bench over here and set the shelf unit and it's just simply half inch plywood some some all thread some acorn nuts and uh it utilizes the box and the 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 weather protection the box offers and the box is very lightweight i mean it's just it's a great design uh but you just take it out and set it wherever you want to set it and and there you go you know you mentioned something um having sort of an insert that comes out. And I had never thought of this idea um, because uh, the spud cases, um, I've seen some stations built into them, and I didn't like it because if you flip it on its side and you open it up, then you have the lid either propped up or in front of you, and it's just an awkward position. And the idea of uh, building the internals in sort of a unit that's not actually fixed to the container Mm -hmm. that you could just – you know, open the container and pull the shack out and set it on the table. 
um, is really a clever idea. And you could do the same thing with the Pelican case or, yeah. you know, and, and I saw one uh, club, they actually built this sort of big, kind of too big in my mind. But anyway, they, they had like two plates or pieces of plywood with big dowel standoffs and all the gear mounted sandwiched between these two plates. And they did essentially that. You, you pop open the big Pelican case and you lift the thing out mm-hmm. and set it on the table. And not try to operate it in the box at all. Just use that as a transit case. And I think that's a pretty good approach. You know, when when I was coming, when I was first getting into into amateur radio and I had got my license, I was a tech and I was on the repeater and I were I was talking about I was going to build a box. I was going to get my general and th- th- we have we have a local operator here. His name is Fritz W four NTO. I think Fritz is ninety six or ninety seven years old now. But I was trying to explain to him what I was doing, and I had seen these 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 spud boxes with the aluminum frame built into the box. Everything stayed in the box, and every time I mentioned it to him, he kept coming back with, "The radios need to breathe. You need to let the radios breathe." And I was like, oh, he's, "He's an old man." No, but really, he <laughs> it, it makes a lot of sense because. You, you try to offer your radios weather protection, but in doing mm-hmm. that, you cut off their oxygen supply. And, well, that's one thing. You know, yeah. So, so when I actually, I just copied somebody else that had got started, and I don't know if he ever finished his or not, but I kind of went down a similar path, and I can take mine out, and it gets air all the way around it when it's out of the box. And but George, going back just real quick to your point about the lid, that is that is a consideration. One of the things that that the this kind of saves that is that the lid will pop off pretty easily, but mm. then you've had to pop your lid off. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, I made mine to come out so it could breathe, and uh, it, it works pretty well for me. So when when I was building the 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 first station in the Pelican case, uh, it's sealed, and, and you do have to circulate some air. So I found that I had to, to I put a plate in the top, and I cut holes for the radio, and. Then I realized I got to cut holes for a fan. Now I need a fan. So you know, one thing kind of led to another, which is part of the reason I, I wasn't too keen on that approach at the end of the day. With the uh, effects case, uh, the front and the back uh, pop off, so you've got airflow through the right. unit all um, the way through. So that works. That works okay. Now you could say, well, it's not completely waterproof or whatever on the, you know. Well, I hope I'm not operating the HF station in the rain. Um, so if I am, I have a bigger problem. Well, you know, it's it's uh, real similar. Uh, we mentioned Dan earlier, but Alpha Alpha Kilo 4 Pop X-Ray Dan, he built his in a 25-millimeter ammo can. I believe that's what it was. Anyway, yep, that, and, Yeah, that's that's what it was. And, and both ends open on the box. So... You know, you get the air through, mm-hmm. and you can access the rear of your radio, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I've got another question because we could beat this beat this box horse to death. But moving on, when we build a box, do we build it all band? Do we build it single band, dual band, multi band? What's what are you guys thinking on that? Boy, well, it depends back to the question, what are you trying to do? I think, you know, for the MCOM situation, nine times out of ten, you're operating VHF and UHF. So um, I'd certainly do a dual band by by and large, but you don't have to sweat HF unless you're specifically making an HF station in my mind. But for the kinds of portable operating that I do, um, most of that's HF. So um, with with my Go box, the whole point was really the, the HF station and – 
with some space left over, I was able to squeeze in the the two meter UHF radio. It, that was kind of a bonus. Um, so I guess pretty much depends on what your you know, what what your goals are. Yeah, and I, I think uh, George has absolutely nailed it. I mean, it's it's horses for courses. It, it's designing a box for uh, what you want to do because you know, for instance, if you're if you're doing soda, you know, your box. I mean, let's be honest, maybe your backpack that you're throwing like an FT-817 into, and then you may have a ditty bag or two that has some cabling in your microphone and a battery. Um, but if you are supporting your local areas of races, races most likely, like you said, you're going to have a dual band uh, radio. And it may be sufficient to just simply throw that in an ammo can or to throw it in a tackle box or, or something like that. Um, and you don't necessarily have to to build out this entire, um, you know, system like the, the, the box I have built for quote unquote supporting my club activities, it's built to be all mode, all band DC to daylight because, um, you know, of my role in the club and, you know, my experience, like I would be a person who could very well be potentially sent to a place where an HF link would need to be established between say Alexandria, Virginia and Richmond, Virginia, which is one of the common uh, scenarios that, that gets talked about. Whereas there are other guys who they really have no more than their HT because they're working in the hospital where the repeater is, and that's going to be keep them just fine. So it, it's it's really you, you build it. We we go back to what Jeremy spoke about when he did a segment. I think it was episode eleven, but where we talk about what we're building it for. Because I mean, a lot of guys get an amateur radio and they get the they, they get the MCOM bug and they're thinking, you know, severe weather, power outages, into the world as we know it, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not every that's we don't all have to do it for that. And you're talking about soda and iota and high, just general hiking. You know, I mean it it doesn't have to be fill the back of the Jeep Patriot with a humongous case here. I mean I've got the AK-47 box, which is a pretty cool little deal, and it's just a single-band, completely self-contained box with power, battery, you know, antennas, everything's in one Plano 1612 ammo can ready to go. But it won't talk on HF, so we're, we're building out to where, to what we're trying to accomplish. And I think that sometimes people... They kind of get blinded. They, they go online. They start looking at boxes. They start reading threads where people are posting pictures. Oh, well, I've got to have that, and I've got to have this. And they're not really thinking through what they're going to do it for to begin with. That's just Kale's opinion. No, <laughs> yeah. you're exactly right. Well, feature creep is really a – I mean, you, you look at some of these boxes. I, there's a fella who built one that was like an 8U or 10U and uh, he had the, you know, the professional audio panels with the lights that pop out, and you know, like holy cow! I mean, this is—it's beautiful. I mean, it's the sort of thing that if you had a staff of people that would haul your gear for you, you would have one of those. But you know, from a practical point of view, um, it's a lot of stuff to lug around, and um, you know, so you, you got to really consider. I mean, if I were gonna knew I was going from point A to point B, and I could roll the stuff on wheels and. I wasn't going to be hauling it over grass and gravel to get to the picnic table or the trailhead or whatever, then yeah, that'd be great. But wow, it's a lot of stuff. You know, to that, to that point, what's hilarious, and this kind of goes back to the box discussion, um, the, the Jeep Patriot that you keep referring to that I lovingly refer to as Jeep Junior, um, you know, it's just about six years old, has like 170,000 miles on it. 
and it, it, it's not going to be with us forever. And I've started looking at what would I replace it with. And my my desire to have communications capability wherever I go and solar power and generators and a mattress and to be able to go camping leads me to fear or maybe leads my wife to fear that I'm going to build my next go box out of a Ford Transit Connect van. <laughs> with no room for anything but the gear. There, no, there will be a mattress and then an operating desk. And then um, one of my neighbors on their camper has a 40-foot pneumatic um, mast that's uh, hung off the back of it. Uh, I would mount solar panels uh, so that you could set them up as awnings. I would carry around my little Honda generator, and uh, I would be good. <laughs> this guy's got way too much time. You, you spent too much time in the car recently, Buddy, bro. It, it does not cost anything to dream. <laughs> Yeah, well, it it wasn't too long ago that I posted the picture of the Red Cross Suburban, and uh, I thought my folks were going to get me that for Christmas. What kind of way my dad commented about it? Oh. But so, can I tell? Let me tell a funny little story, if I could, about the ultimate in emergency communications vehicles. Um, I think there was some county in like rural Maryland that had uh, a fire truck that had a hundred fifty foot ladder on it, and it was being auctioned. And I tried to get my club to buy it because it had, you know, like four or six 15-kilowatt diesel generators in the back. It has a 150-foot ladder that you could climb up and mount an antenna on, um, you know, and, and it sold for like $10,000. And I thought that you could, you could lift some of the equipment bays and install smokers in there. Uh, you know, it has onboard water storage. It would be the ultimate field day accessory. Field day, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and what happened? Oh, everybody thought I was crazy. That's... Everybody thought I was absolutely crazy because the argument was where would we park it? And the ironic thing about that, our trailer now is parked at one of the local fire stations. And I was like, you can just put the fire truck at the fire station. Come on. Yeah, there you go. You know, I I've had similar thoughts looking at these uh news mini cam vans that have the pneumatic uh telescoping poles that come up off those things i thought boy that'd be great to get one of those they got racks on the roof for antennas that'd be awesome oh yeah absolutely and you could haul your boxes speaking of boxes let's get back to our boxes because i mean hey i've got a 1949 american la france convertible fire truck in the in the yard that's a whole nother story so that's a that's another podcast we're, we're going to need pictures, Kale. Uh, I've got some. Yeah, just look for the fire truck is what I tell folks when they're coming to the country. All right, so uh, we, we talk about the boxes. We've talked about UHF, VHF, HF, DC to daylight, et cetera. Uh, what, what are we going to put in our boxes when we decide what we're going to build one for? Either one of you, go ahead. Well, I... Um I, you know, I've hinted at this uh, a little bit. Obviously, you, you have radios. You have some ability to, to communicate. But um, for me lately, I, I really am shying away from building all my power stuff into the box. I, I really am separating power out from, you know, the, the radio itself. Um, I generally will include bags of accessories like the microphone uh, i will almost always have the data cables for the radio whether i need them or not uh i have invested in a, a really cheap couple of netbooks that could be replaced off ebay for like 50 bucks that can run off 12 volts uh so i can run like fl digi and linux um 
trying to think, and this is my, my bigger boxes. Uh, you know, there's all the, all the ancillary stuff. Like some people may throw like some snacks in there and whatnot, but I, that's, that's the general, uh, the general kind of stuff. Uh, you know, maybe an audio interface uh, for the digital modes, but that's the general kind of stuff I'm, I'm keeping in mind. What about you, George? Pretty similar. Um, a lot of the uh, Windows 8 uh, laptops, the low-end ones, are pretty cheap. I picked up a tablet running Windows 8 with a keyboard, and uh, that's great for running FLDG or DigiPan or uh, you know just about any of those programs. Uh, and I configured it just for the radio application. Sounds like what you're doing, Jeremy. Um, the the other uh, thing that I, I I did is put a little uh, 12 to 5 volt power adapter. Uh, with multiple USB jacks for charging cell phones and other accessories. And uh, I mentioned earlier the audio mixer, which I found really handy, and I'm I'm in the midst of uh, redoing that design to make a small one. Uh, that way you can have multiple audio sources all coming out the headphones at one time. So um, that's kind of an odd accessory that you don't normally see. Um, I, I've never seen one, which is why I wound up figuring out how to make one. But um, – but otherwise, pretty similar set of uh, of goodies. What about spare microphones? Am I the only geek that packs a spare mic or two? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have a I have a hand mic and a headset, so okay, I guess I guess I qualify as having two. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'm just trying to be redundant here, and uh, in my big box and in my AK47 box, they all use the same microphones. What is it? Eight pin round Kenwood screw on mm. type. So if one fails, I've got another one there. And you know, so I, I, maybe I'm the only one that ever thought about that. Maybe it's a terrible idea. You know, I think it again. It gets gets back to the you know, the first thing we're talking about is the application. If you said, look, I'm going to go um, on some kind of radio event, uh, and it absolutely positively has to work. There's no room for failure because you know big important things depend on it then i think you get into considerations of redundancy then then you're going to sit there and say well okay if i'm going to definitely have to have my radio up and running i need maybe i need to take two radios because you know one could fail or i need to take two of everything because that way when one does fail because it will because it you know murphy's law you're still going to be on the air if you go into the park you know yeah you could probably risk it yeah exactly what about uh what about going back for someone that's maybe uh, emergency weather type related or a event type related like that, uh, a, a police scanner? You know, I think having the police frequencies handy and programmed in your HT kind of makes more sense to me because by and large the, the HTs will give you better performance. Well, I mean, a handheld scanner is fine, mm -hmm. but you know, unless you're going to get it because it, you need to do trunking or – some other like APCO 25, P25 decode, um, I think I'd be pretty happy with the ham gear. I think it sounds better personally. You know, I, um, I own a couple of the modern unit ends. I have a Home Patrol 2. And I have the, the, the BCD uh, 536. I had the 436, which was the handheld that um, I actually traded in for the Home Patrol 2. I around where I live, everything is Project 25, and there's so much to listen to. Um, I take it because it's interesting. It's a good thing to have. Have I ever found it truly necessary? No. Um, 
the one time that we were activated, which was the hurricane before Sandy, which I can't remember what it was, and the only reason we were activated is because the the room where the the primary radio site got flooded, and uh, a bunch of stuff just got zapped. Um, you know, having the scanner wouldn't have really helped except to let us know when the city got the radios back online. But everybody with a you know a handy talkie on their belt would know that too. So. Um, like I said, I think it's interesting. It gives you another capability, but I, I haven't found it to be an absolute necessity. What about packing antennas? Well, there's a lot of well, boy, a lot of subtopics. You know, VHF, <laughs> UHF versus uh, HF. There's a uh, lot to say on either one of those. Um, for me, what I what I found um, over the years, I keep going back to over and over again is. Antennas that are self-supporting with their own tripod and their own mast, um, you know, an antenna kit um, centered around maybe some kind of mast where you can uh, either put it up with guys or a tripod or, um, you know, some way to fix it, maybe a ground stake. Um, and then having uh, uh, antenna. Now, for the antennas that go on there, I've seen a lot of videos of guys that will buy base station antennas the fiberglass radomed antennas and use them for portable. And of course it's fine, but they seem a bit bulky to me and I just use mobile whips. Um, so, um, I usually make some kind of adapter thing that you would screw to the top of the mast, uh, and put an SO239, like the kind that you'd put on a car and run that coax down and then screw the mobile whips to the top. Cause you can get everything from a quarter wave to a high gain, uh, mobile whip. Um, and, and they're fairly low profile, easy, easy to pack. Uh, and of course they're, you, you know, you got to have in your go kit, like we talked about before the roll up J pole, just in case, which is handy if you got something to hoist it up into. Uh, but if you can take an antenna kit with a real self, you know, uh, supporting antenna, the better, but also by the way, for an MCOM situation, think about how much coax you're going to need because, you may be lucky and be close to where the antenna is, or you may find you're in the basement and the antenna is going to be 100 feet away. Um, so you might seriously think about how much antenna cable you're going to need. And actually to that point is based on how far away from the antenna, you may have to go with a higher gain antenna because if you're if you, you're carrying around RG8X and you, your primary support frequencies are 440 and you're 100 feet away <laughs> and you expect all 50 watts to come out, that's... You, you should look at some math um, on those. Actually, Times uh, Times Microwave has, I think it's them. Who are the LMR 400 people? That's, that's Times. That, yeah, Times has a really awesome um, a loss calculator on their website that uh, you go and you select the cable, and they have all kinds of you know of coax, and you put select the cable and you know what's your center frequency and uh, what's the run, and it will tell you the loss in dB per foot uh, or per hundred feet, and it's it's quite handy. Um, I'll echo everything that George said. Uh, for me, just some specific examples, I have used, and this is, like, I just have a bunch of antennas laying around, not the shack, but the house, much to the wife's chagrin. Um, I have used everything from the buddy pole, which you can very handily make a two-meter or six-meter J-pole um, out of. I actually have uh, one of the arrow collapsible J-poles uh, that's quite handy to take and, you know, tie to a mast. Um, I have, a, you know, several of the, like we talked about, the emergency roll-up, like the Ed Fong or the N9TAX style, um, you know, the the twin lead um, dual-band antenna J-poles. Um, I have, 
for a support, I've done everything from hoist these things in a tree uh, with some 550 cord to um, using their, their PA speaker tripod stands. You can get them from a ton of places online, and they're, they're not that expensive. And MTC has just, them on sale. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's good. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, they're just, they're just tripod feet, and that you put – I think they can take up to like a one-inch center – um, and then I've used things like 16 or 20 foot painters poles, which you can purchase at Lowe's. Um, and then you just, you know, there are U-bolt clamps that clamp these antennas on there. Um, another thing that I, I came across at HRO one day, and I am fortunate enough to live just 20 minutes from an HRO, um, Larson makes a kit that is uh, a ground plane kit for two meter 440. And it's designed to allow you to take any of those mobile style antennas, be it a five eighths wave two meter antenna or you know one of these sixty inch long deals or whatever, um, and it can either do an SO two thirty nine or there's a little adapter to turn it into an NMO connection, and then it comes with uh, uh, basically this like this metal strap material that you could tie it to a mast and raise it in the air and. Uh, it works pretty good, but there there have also been times where I take um, like an arrow. Uh, Yagi, because I know I'm only talking to a single station. I'm only talking to net control, and I want you know to be power efficient. So I'll turn the radio down to half a watt and aim you know a, a 14 element 440 antenna at whoever I'm trying to talk to. You know, when I first got started on 10 meters, I had a CB radio antenna laying around, and I used one of the mounts like George is talking about, what we call a trucker mirror mount, and put that dude on my extension ladder <clears throat> excuse me and just ran my extension ladder up beside the barn <laughs> and i made contacts all over the place i mean it might have just been the the hf god smiling on a new ignorant general but it you know it, it you just figured something out to make it work hey i, I mentioned something else you, you brought up earlier uh too which is um practice um you know setting up the antenna taking it out you, you'll find all kinds of things like well, gee, you know, 25 feet isn't enough. You'll also find, by the way, that that 100 feet of cable gets kinked up pretty easily. Maybe one big 100-foot cable is not the best idea in the world. Mm. Um, so really, you know, taking it out, practicing, uh, messing around with it is is a really good idea. And there's – you know, go ahead, Jeremy. I'm going to say, actually, George, one of the things that um, when, you know, you uh, – when you were talking about your go bag, in listening to that, like understanding all of the tools – that you tend to take with you that aren't radio related, like wrenches mm-hmm. and wire strippers and like, you know, a multimeter, like all of the stuff as much time as I spent building boxes. Like that's one of the things that I had never really given a lot of thought to is having the ancillaries because there is really nothing worse than you thinking you have your antenna squared away. You get there and you come to find out when you were coiling the wire up, you pulled it just a little bit too tight. Now it's broken. Mm-hmm. You know, now you have to tear it apart and figure out how to splice them. I mean, Having those tools available, um, you know, can also be very important when when working uh, with with all these different makeshift antennas. And by the way, the corollary to that, in my mind, it, everybody's got a toolbox or a smattering of tools here and there. Don't re- don't rely on that. Have a have a separate container where you put your radio tools, and they're always there. Uh, so when it's time to go, you just grab that one bag. You don't have to go finding all these crazy different tools and bits and pieces that you hope you have, but you may not have together. Um, the other thing, by the way, is is when you put your system together, 
sit down for a minute and look at that and think if if something was going to break, like you were just suggesting, Jeremy, what's the what's the weakest thing in my system? Is it the connector could get pulled off the cable? Is it that the cable could get sheared? That those are probably you know pretty good chance. It could be that the fuse is going to blow. It could be that um, the tripod might fall over. Uh, so it, it's you start to think, well, how do I harden this stuff so that um, I can protect myself against the most likely failure points and and sort of double up on whatever you need on those things. So bring extra connectors. Bring extra. If, if you have a coax connector, you have to replace. How are you going to do that without a soldering iron? So are you going to bring crimp connectors? You better have a crimping tool. Or if you're going to bring solder on connectors, you're not going to have a 110-volt outlet handy. Maybe you need a butane soldering iron or one of those little uh, soldering irons that work on AA batteries, which may not last long, but in a pinch, you know. So you kind of want to think through what, what's going to poop out on you because uh, it will. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about it that something's going to break. Oh, absolutely. I'm a living testament to that. Every time I, <laughs> I touch something, it feels like. But, yeah, that's that's a very good point. <clears throat> and that's really, uh, George, you know, we touched on it last episode, but, I mean, we could probably spend an hour just talking about that, going through, you know, our mental toolbox. Uh, just like you're saying, the butane uh, soldering iron or the, you know, the one, I think Harbor Freight's got one that you put like a cigarette lighter in mm. that, that works like that. And, um or screw the screw the little tank on it or something. There's there's so many things. The the hobby itself is deep as the oceans, and and this particular topic, the the MCOM box, the emergency, the go box, whatever we want to call it, it's just it's really left up to the individual and where their imagination wants to take them. And I think that's part of the fun, frankly, is is figuring this stuff out. Because when you look at your gear and you think, well, what's going to fail? What, why are you doing that? I mean, you're doing that because in some cases, it, it could be a life or death situation and you want to make sure that your stuff's working. But it could also be, do you really want to go to the park and set all your stuff up and forget the coax cable? Well, if I had put that in my antenna bag, had I had an antenna bag to put it in, it would have all been there. So it, for me, it's it's kind of the... Some of the planning is as much, you know, fun to have your stuff together. There's nothing more frustrating than getting out there and going, "Well, I've got everything but this critical thing that hooks it up," and get really frustrated. You, you <laughs> know, I've done that. Yeah, one of the bags that that comes to mind for me because I don't have an antenna bag. I have the roll-up antennas just in the boxes. But you know, thinking out through, like Jeremy was talking about the the tripods that you can purchase pretty inexpensively now, you can buy a baseball bat bag. And you can find them at places like Marshalls and Ross, TJ Maxx, places like that that have over sell overruns or whatnot. Even Goodwill or something probably would have them. But you can utilize a bag like that. And I'm not going to say it's hardened because it's not, but they're built tough because they're generally thrown in the back of mom's car between practices. <laughs> and uh, they really fit a uh, a tripod system like that pretty well. Just mm-hmm. a little something to t- toss in there. It's not a frisbee golf bag. It's a, it's a, and I found one of those in South Carolina. By the I was way, so guys. impressed with that. I I didn't realize that you actually had them out there. I did. I didn't know it either. Jeremy, do you guys play frisbee golf in DC? You know, I can't speak to DC proper, but I can tell you that um, in my earlier adventures, I I may have 
allegedly tossed a frisbee or two in my day. <laughs> Believe it or not, Kentucky has quite a few frisbee golf courses um, in and around small liberal arts campuses. And um, I may have been friends at one point with somebody who claimed to be a professional frisbee golfer. I'm impressed. I didn't even know it existed. I don't get <laughs> out very quickly. often. I have a fire truck in my yard. <laughs> well, you have to come to California because in, here in Northern California, in Santa Cruz, by the ocean, there is an a twenty-seven hole, a th- three nine-hole frisbee golf course. Golf course. I didn't awesome. realize that. I sp- I've awesome. been I've been to California once. I spent sixty hours there in the Beverly Hills area. It was wonderful. The best weather I've ever experienced in my life. And I felt like I spent more time on the plane than I did on the ground back and forth. But that's another story again. All right, so uh, we're, we're, let's, let's pause here. Let's let's stop here with this, this discussion. And I know that we haven't even really gotten to where we wanted to go, but I think we've covered a lot of things to get the listeners to really begin thinking through this, maybe a little differently, maybe a little deeper. Maybe they think we're just a bunch of idiots talking to ourselves, and that's okay too. But the fact of the matter is, guys, we want to encourage you, if you're thinking about doing this, or if, if even if you didn't know this part of the hobby existed, uh, we'll link you to some things that kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about and uh, let you see if this is something that you're interested in and having a – really what it comes back down to, guys, and I hate to use the word mobile because when we think mobile, we think in our cars. But what this does, what we've been talking about is building a mobile portable station to be used somewhere away from your shack. Is that, is that fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that's, that's – that, you've nailed it. <laughs> Call my wife. Tell her how smart I am. All right, we'll uh, we'll be back with George and Jeremy here pretty soon. But guys, thank you for listening. We're going to get out of here. But next time, we'll keep the conversation going on Photime. And we knocked out another program on the Photime podcast. I uh, I really liked that one. I thought it was a lot of fun. And you don't know this yet, but you will later. We kept going. We didn't just stop right here. And it's going to become another episode where we talk about gear, gear choices. Uh, Why would we buy this versus that? Why is this our favorite versus the other? And it's a really, really kind of laid-back show uh, because it was getting really late in the evening. But uh, Jeremy and George stuck around, and we did it, and we'll get it up soon. Also, in the near future, we're going to have Carl join us. Carl has worked uh, worked with Amateur Radio for years, and he has a lot to share with us regarding the Katrina hurricane and uh, the recovery down in the, let's see, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama area. So uh, that's coming up in a couple of weeks as well. Uh, Rob Riggs from Mobile Inc. and the uh, t- the new TNC2. Hope to have that actually in my hand sometime in the next week or so. And we're going to have Rob coming up as well. So there's just some teasers for what's coming on the Photon Podcast. Remember, AmateurRadio15.com or it's Photon.com. And please sign up and do the survey. Again, we thank you for listening. We thank you for shopping with mtcradio.com. They are the show sponsors. Go tell them thanks for sponsoring and keeping Photime on the air. Lots of buttons, lots of links, lots of things to check out on the website, amateurradio15.com. Until next time, guys, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you then. 73. Thanks for downloading, listening, and subscribing to AmateurRadio15.com presents Bowtime, the other ham radio podcast. 
You can find our past episodes, web links, and more at AmateurRadio15.com. That's AmateurRadio15.com. Follow us on Twitter at Photime Podcast. And remember to visit our show sponsor, Main Trading Company, at MTCRadio.com. Till next time, 73s.